Hello, I'm Joseph. And I'm Kinsey, and we are the hosts of It Takes a Village, Topics in International Care for Children and Teens in Crisis. This podcast spreads awareness about the orphanage and foster care space. We provide meaningful information and practical actions to help children have a brighter future. Kent White is the CEO of A Child's Hope Foundation and has been working in this space for 18 years. During his time there, he has created a charitable program where he has personally hosted over 2,000 volunteers at orphanages in Mexico and Haiti. They are now certifying children's homes to ensure that the donations are used in an impactful way to benefit the children. Welcome, Kent. Thank you. So to start off, could you tell us briefly a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I have five children of my own. just got two at home right now. I've got three out of the house, so that's exciting. My wife and I have been married for it'll be 24 years this this uh, this July, and studied Near Eastern Studies at school here at BYU. Found um, that I wanted to spend my time in business, so I've been in the business world for most of my life, and I did uh, my service with the Child's Hope Foundation as just a, a on the side at part-time and got asked by the board about two and a half years ago if I would come on full-time um, so that we could pursue some new initiatives and, and uh, seek additional funding. So I've been with the organization for a very long time, but only have been in my current capacity for full-time for about two and a half years now. That's awesome. So how did you get involved in volunteering and why do you feel passionate about it? I got involved because a friend of mine, a mentor growing up, he invited me to get involved. He said, hey Kent, uh, we've got this uh, orphanage we're building in Haiti. Why don't you come in and get in, uh, involved here with us? And so I sat in this guy's living room for three weeks straight, not saying a word because they're talking about containers and and all these French names. Um, and I just I just did not know what I was doing. You know, I was just a, in my early 20s and and I asked one day, I'm like, so what are you doing for a database? And they're like, would you look into that? <laughs> like, what are you doing for, for presentations? Do you want to help with that? So I just started, I started helping here and there and um, they, they brought me in and helped me feel valuable. And then over time I was able to travel to Haiti and uh, see the work that was going on there and that, that changed my life. Okay, so could you tell us a little bit about a Child's Hope Foundation? who they are, uh, what they do, what the purpose is. Sure. At Child's Hope Foundation, today, our, our, I should say, our articulated mission today is lifting orphans from surviving to thriving. Um, when we say orphans, we're not talking specifically or exclusively of those children who have lost both parents. Sometimes they've lost one parent. Sometimes they've been removed from their parents because their parents aren't safe to be with. Uh, these are children that grow up in a variety of situations. We might call them foster kids here in the United States. Uh, there's any number of, of ways that we talk about these kids, but um, these are children who do not have or come from situations where they did not have loving caregivers that were able to um, help them in their lives to be able to become adults. And so the purpose of a Child's Hope Foundation is to support organizations that are already doing a great job with these kids. When I say organizations, it could just be the organization of a small a small orphanage, maybe a dozen kids, and it's just a big extended family um, up to larger organizations. But our goal has always been to help these children have a family environment and um, to almost bring foster care into an orphanage environment. So you can benefit from the economies of scale, 
that the orphanages may have, but they're also dedicated caregivers that aren't just working in shifts, but they're living in family groups and in small homes where they have a father and a mother figure that are just like here in the States, you would imagine the foster parents. So that's been a lot of our efforts in Mexico. And now we're back in Haiti as well. So transitioning homes from institutional care to family style care, and then helping the children be able to prepare for adulthood. So, you know, we talked a little bit earlier in your bio how you've taken over 2,000 volunteers on these trips. And so I'm sure you've been down to these orphanages many, many times, these children's homes, I Mm -hmm. should say. Um, So can you share a few life lessons that you have learned from the experiences you've had working with these children and going on these trips? Sure. Let me share a quick story. There was there was a fellow named Eric who was on our trips, and he'd come three or four years in a row, and it was interesting. He said, uh, there's lots of opportunities to do good, and um, I can do good in my own community. I can do good with a lot of people, and I don't come on these trips to tell myself I'm a good person. I come because uh, I want to see Santiago again. I want to see Lupe again. I want to see Maria again. And so he articulated what I had sensed for a long time, which is that one of the biggest life lessons is that friendship is the best form of charity. And being a aunt or an uncle or a cousin figure to these kids is what we hope for our volunteers, that they become invested in these children's lives and that, you know, we continue to chat on Facebook once they've left the home and they're in adulthood. I've seen, you know, the kids of a lot of these you know, they, they've had children of their own. They've gotten married. Mm-hmm. They've had children mm-hmm. of their own. They're sharing pictures. They they hug me when they, you know, when I see them down there. Um, they're visiting their their family. You know, yeah. um, after they had left, and so there's just this sense of extended family that I think is the most important part of charity. And I know it's like, well, I already have you know lots of nieces and nephews. I don't have room for more of these kinds of re- types of relationships. But sometimes you have that uncle that's just kind of distant in your life, and you're just like, hey. What you working on? What you doing? Oh, that's good. You know, and that's that's a much as much of the uh, interaction as you have. And I feel like that is the number one lesson I've, I've taken is um, just providing encouragement is a tremendous service to people who sometimes don't get a lot of encouragement in their lives. Um, I, I think that all of us can remember somebody in our lives that we're like, oh man, they were there when I really needed encouragement. And and now you're thinking back, and you you mentioned that to them. They're like, I don't even remember that. You know, I th- that was just so long ago. I've you know, just the little kindnesses that we do. The second thing, the second lesson I've learned is that um, no act is too small. Um, I think so often we're looking f- to change everybody's lives or to have a huge impact. And Mother Teresa said, we don't find God because we're not looking low enough. Uh, maybe she was quoting somebody else when she said that. But, um, you know, sometimes it's uh, just picking up the garbage that's laying around. That's what is making the world a better place. Sometimes it is... Um, just seeing a need and filling it without any fanfare. And so I would say those are two major lessons I've learned that this quest for service, and uh, it's a spiritual quest, I'd say in many ways, a a quest to be in the moment and to be of service. But the goal is not to see yourself as a good person or to see yourself as somebody that's doing service. It's just to provide the service and to let that kind of go through you without really noticing yourself very much. And the more I engage in that kind of service, I think the better I the better I feel. So forget yourself to find yourself. Well, I love both of those lessons, and I just feel like both of them really tie hand in hand of, you know, making sure that relationships are your priority and that relationships make such a huge difference. And then also it doesn't take much 
to love or to help or to serve and that that can make a big impact. Yeah, it's great to learn about your life experience and I feel like it goes along really well with the vision of a Child's Hope Foundation which is to lift orphans from surviving to thriving and I see that you've done that in your life and it's something that's been impactful in your life as well. Um, from your perspective, what are a few things that people can do to make a difference? Like I said before, if, if you can be a surrogate aunt or uncle or cousin to these kids and just uh, encourage them, encourage them and, and just be a source of play and fun. It's, it's, it's kind of tricky with a lot of these kids. I would say most of these children that are at these homes in Mexico um, are not there because their parents couldn't afford to take care of them. Um, that, and that is the case, I would say, in a lot of countries. Most of the kids in these homes are there because they were not safe with their parents. Uh, th their parents, for the most part, have been abusing substances or physically or sexually abusing these children. And so um, a lot of them have a dark outlook on life when they come into these homes, right? And so getting them in a stable place where they have, they're able to form healthy attachments with their caregivers and the other children that are there. And they usually are coming with their siblings as well. Mm -hmm. The ability for a, a, a volunteer to, to change that, ch that child's life is pretty small. You know, you're, they, they've got a lot of needs, right? They're, they've got a lot of things to overcome, but just having a sense of normal childhood is a big deal. Just uh, think, think of one of your favorite activities that you did in the summer as a kid, you know, some, sometime where maybe you got uh, involved with a, a water fight or you, you went to the pool or you went to the zoo any number of activities that you would normally do, well, these kids don't get to do those kinds of things. Yeah. They don't have the ability to go out on excursions very often. And so when we come down, um, we are providing a sense of fun, even though it's only for three afternoons, it's not a whole lot of time in their, in their lives. It's something they look forward to, uh, even though sometimes uh, we get crushed playing soccer with them or whatever. <laughs> uh, there's, any number of, there's any number of activities that the kids love to do and that they're just wanting to be engaged in. So volunteering, um, you know, you're not going to save anybody's life. You're not going to change everything. Uh, but you are just going to provide a sense of fun and a sense of um, possibility and that the world's a bigger, kinder, loving place that it's not a fearful place to, to, to be engaged in. So that's one thing I would say. The second thing I would say is if you're a, um, a donor, wh what these children will end up needing is a path for their futures. They need to be able to see that they can contribute to society, that they can have the possibility of raising healthy families where they're able to, to have a, um, a partner and get married and have children and provide for that family and, and carry on. And see themselves as people that can give back rather than people that just have to constantly receive, right? Mm -hmm. And so that requires a little bit higher investment than most orphanages are capable of making. Um, and that is part of our, our, our mission, is to lift them from surviving where they are right now to thriving where they are able to see their a career path for themselves, whether they want to be a, in construction or whether they want to be a cook or <clears throat> a lot of these kids have, have gone to beauty school. You know, it, it just a lot, lot of what we call trades, but a lot of them go to university as well, but um, only if there are funds available for them to do those kinds of activities. So uh, we have something we call Child's Hope Plans it's a three-part program. There's tutoring involved for because a lot of these kids will come into the orphanage without any significant uh, educational abilities. Like I would say, illiterate. M most of them mm -hmm. um, have not been invested in by their parents. So I'll just share share Angela's story really quickly. 
She was uh, 12 years old when she got into the, the orphanage, 11 or 12, and she'd been there for a year without making much progress in school. She mm-hmm. was bumped down to the first grade. So she's with six-year-olds, yeah. and, and she can't even write her own name, and nobody's really spending the time with her to help her move forward, and she's feeling dumb every day. And so what ends up happening is we were able to get a tutor hired, and within four months, that tutor was able to read something to her. Angela would write it down, and she would read it back, and she was at a fifth grade level. So she was just one grade below where she should have been at that age. She was a fifth grade level within four months. And so a lot of these kids just need somebody to care about them, invest in them. So tutoring ends up being a major important part of that program. The second one is, is therapy or what you might call um, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, where these children are saying, I'm not defined by my previous trauma, that I can find better ways of acting in the world. Um, I'm not going to resolve necessarily everything that's happened to me, um, but I can, I can change the way I, I, I see that. And so um, hiring therapists to help those children be able to get a, a sense of possibility that they can act in the world instead of be, be acted upon Mm-hmm. That's the second part of the program. And the third part is, you know, what we call life skills, career prep, um, learn how to drive a car, learn how to shop, learn how to cook for yourself. There's just an, an, any number of skills that, well, I don't, I don't know that all kids get these from their parents. Some of them get on their own and they still have to eat fast food because they don't know how to cook anything, yeah. right? But, but life skills so that they can just do okay as, as adults and figure that out. So these child soap plans have those three parts, therapy, tutoring, and life skills, or what we call mentoring. And so they have somebody that works on, on those things. And funding those programs, um, as well as, as making sure that these children have dedicated caregivers, uh, we've, we've broken down the numbers and, and verified them in a variety of places, and it looks like it's going to be about $63 a month per child as we as we roll this out in Mexico. So um, we've been raising that f- those funds for that. So if you want to give children a opportunity to have a, a bright future, that's something that you can do as a donor, um, and $63 a month is able to provide that level of uh, career preparation for a child. Yeah. And just a follow up question on that. Th- those are awesome things. And I know that as we've talked to you, I've been so impressed with kind of your plans of specifically that each children's home is so unique and their needs are unique and to really help like those donations go to what is needed. But if someone wanted to donate, where would they go to? What website would they visit? Yeah, yeah that's uh, so just at childshopefoundation.org or for short, if you can understand the acronyms, A-C-H-F.org. Alpha Charlie Hotel Foxtrot.org. So um, ACHF.org will get you to our website, and we have a variety of ways that people can get involved. There's there's also something called Project Tiles where, well, let me back up. There's there's something uh, that we have instituted over the last couple of years, and it's our certification program. One of the things that I found over the many years that I was visiting these these orphanages is volunteers would come down and they say, hey, I want to donate, but how do we know that this money is being used effectively? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, well, I'm down here pretty regularly. We're seeing things and they give me receipts and, and they're like, yeah, that sounds okay, but like, how do we really know, right? And so yeah. now, um, and, and there are tremendous abuses in the orphanage system. In fact, I would love it if all orphanages were out of business. Um, and we could move to a, a, another form of care for these children. But as long as there are children that don't have homes and governments are not able or willing to prioritize foster families, um, and foster families do have challenges of their own too. So it's, like there is no perfect system. In the meantime, those places that are serving these children, 
I feel that it's it's important that people can trust that their money is going to where it needs to go. So we created a certification program, worked with an organization that does most of their uh, work in India called Miracle Foundation. They shared a tool called the Thrive Assessment. We've adapted it for Mexico. Mm -hmm. And then we created something called an Orphanage Improvement Roadmap from that. So there's 15 categories of questions from uh, water, from nutrition, from education, uh, various rights of the child that the UN uh, created back in the 80s. And so we, we go in and we assess the, the orphanage. And then after that assessment, we build an improvement roadmap so that we can say what's next in their progression for them to go from like a red to a yellow to a green in this, in this category. And uh, then we build what are called project tiles from those, from those needs. And those project tiles, you know, they can range from $150 to uh, $15,000 or more, yeah. depending on what the, the project is, whether it's computers, whether it's a new building, whether it's um, uh, hiring uh, somebody to come in and, and plant food on, on the property so that they can have, have a source of uh, a day of a garden or what have you. So there's any number of ways that we're able to support the orphans uh, specifically by prioritizing their needs and then they have a roadmap that they can use with other donors and we've we found lots of ways that bring in other people saying hey here's the plan this is this came from the orphanage directors and we're just walking them through that leadership so those project tiles are on our website you can go pick one fundraise for it as a, as a family or as a, as a company or what have you and say hey we're going to provide uh, new mattresses for the teenage girls home or what have you so that there's a there's a variety of ways that people can get involved that way uh, they can become monthly donors providing for those types of needs that I described before on the child's hope plans um, there's any number of skills and trades that are needed I mean everything that your family needs they need but let's say they need it for 40 kids or for 80 totally. kids so toilet paper you know lots of toilet paper is used <laughs> lots of soap is used those types of things so when people want to give uh, usually it's a lot easier if you can give us a walmart card or, or cash and then they the orphanages can buy those materials down there um, sometimes people drop off supplies but it's, it's become more and more difficult to get supplies down so anyways those are the kinds of things that they need and there's a variety of, of opportunities that are outlined on the website. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so just to end off, what is one takeaway that our listeners should know? I think the biggest thing is that orphans are just kids. They're just people, you know, they're not, they're not different than other kids. What people tell me so often is I didn't expect to build such quick friendships and that there wouldn't be that much awkwardness around uh, interacting with these children. They're just kids. They're not, they're not weird. They're not strange. They're not completely deprived. They have, they have decent lives. They have people that love them. We don't work with places that are falling apart and that aren't working. Um, I, I've been to an orphanage in, in Haiti where a child will come up to you and just cling to you because they have an attachment disorder. They don't have adults that are invested in them, mm -hmm. right? And so they're looking for any adult that will show them any affection. And I've seen that many times, but the, the, the places we visit in Mexico, they don't have that. These, these kids, generally speaking, are standoffish at first. They're not gonna run up to you and hold you and hug you and stuff. They're gonna, just like your kids are gonna be like, all right, let's see who these, these other kids are. And then you have to like 
pull out the, the, the games, you know, pull out the toys, pull out the, the puzzles, and then the kids will come check it out and be like, yeah, I'll try that, you know, just like your, <laughs> your kids would do the same thing. They're going to stand off a little bit and check you out and see how it's going, and then once you get playing, you're going to want to play soccer or volleyball or, or be pushed on the swings for hours, you know. Yeah. It's, just, it's just they're normal kids, and they deserve to have normal kid things in their lives and to have people that care about their possibilities and their futures. And so if you love children, um, I, I really encourage you to look at this work because it's a, it's a very re- enriching, fulfilling work. You guys see them grow and become wonderful people. Wonderful. And I, I mean, I've loved working with a Child Soul Foundation and getting to know more about what you do. And so I think that this is such an awesome opportunity to get involved with. And thank you so much for coming and sharing your thoughts today. Yeah, you bet. Thank you for joining our discussion. We hope that this podcast provided you with an educational experience and provokes curiosity, thought, and discussion with others. This is the first step on the road to learning and understanding how to help children and teens in crisis. Where the journey will lead is up to you.